folks. This is Ron Longwell, and I'm glad you're here today for another edition of the Jesus Society Podcast, a conversation exploring relationship, renewal, and purpose in the kingdom of God. Uh, today is June 9th, uh, 2020, or um, it will be when this episode is posted. I'm actually recording this on uh, uh, June the 4th, uh, Thursday, June the 4th. I usually record this on Thursday. Um, this is episode 16 uh, of the Jesus Society Podcast. And I'm going to get right into things today because I want to talk about all the stuff going on uh, in our country right now, uh, particularly involving the death of George Floyd and its aftermath and all of it on the heels of the coronavirus and the two-month lockdown, the widespread unemployment and all the just mess that, uh, that we're all dealing with now and have been dealing with for a while. Um, I think most of you will agree that things are just an absolute mess. Um, mostly concentrated in the big cities. It makes me grateful, honestly, that I don't live in one of the big cities. But for those of us who are Christians, what do we do with all this? How do we come to terms with with all of the mess that's going on? How do we respond to it in a way that is that is helpful? That is a, that is that is a blessing, and and doesn't just add to the noise, and the and the anger and the and the hurt and the frustration and all that. And I will I'm I'm just going to say at the start of all this that this is the most difficult um, episode that I have had to prepare for thus far. I I decided this last weekend that I was going to do this. And I started making some notes about what I wanted to say, and I have rewritten those notes at least a half a dozen times. I've had several other people reading them and, and dialoguing with me about this and and um, helping me make sure I say stuff that is helpful and not stuff that's going to make things worse, right? Because, because I'm angry about some of this too, right? And... You know, I was reminded of the of the verse. Uh, I don't even remember where it is now, but um, Paul says something like, "The anger of God, or the anger of man, does not achieve the righteousness of God," and that's right. So I'm I'm really I, I've really worked hard to get myself under control and to to really um, to really try to make this something that is useful and and beneficial and and helps us all as Jesus Society people as the kingdom of God to be blessings and, and to make this in our own world better. So, so I want to start <laughs> with a bit of humor, all right, because we, gosh, we have to find something to laugh at in all this. Now, I love satire, <laughs> which means I love um, the Babylon Bee. Now, I don't know if you, if you know what the Babylon Bee is. Look it up. Um, it is a it is a satire site under the guise of of a legitimate news source, right? There's nothing serious about it, but it comes off as you know. Here's a headline, and here's a story, and you know, like it's in the form of a of a legitimate news source, but it's all satire, and it's funny, funny, funny. Um, they deal a lot with um, stuff in in the area of religion, but they've started dealing more with some political stuff too. Um, so um, it's just funny. So I'm going to read. I'm going to read one of their news stories, and I just saw this last night. 
and I, I say news stories in air quotes because it's, it's satire, it's not news, okay? Um, sometimes people read this and they think they're serious and they get all, you know, they get their bloomers in a wad over all this because they think it's, they're being serious. It's, they're not serious, it's just funny, funny. Anyway, um, this particular news story um, pertains to something that I have seen a lot of last week, and I'm sure you have too. And I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes to, to this, to the Babylon Bee article, and you can read it and maybe find some other stuff you find funny. But in the last week, I have seen literally dozens of emails and Facebook posts from companies all wanting to make sure that I know how they stand in regard to current events, as if their stance on the latest current event was going to be the deciding factor on whether I continue to buy their products or not. And in that light, here is the latest article from the Babylon Bee. The headline is titled, (laughs) Nations Racists Repent After Reading Statement on Equality from Hidden Valley Ranch. (laughs) Here's what it says. U.S., The racists of the nation announced that they are repenting in mass after they read a statement on equality from Hidden Valley Ranch posted on Twitter. While supremacists across the country said they were holding out despite hundreds of corporations declaring their support for equality on Blackout Tuesday, but finally the scales fell from their eyes by the thousands as they saw Hidden Valley Ranch's powerful statement that they oppose inequality. I had been so blind before, but once I saw that Hidden Valley Ranch upholds the humanity of people of all races, I realized I needed to re-examine my biases, says Chet Bernard of Denton, Texas. I held out through the statements of Tide Pods, Bratz, Ben and Jerry, and GameStop, but once I saw that the minds who create the delicious ranch dressing I have every day believe in the equality of all humanity, I saw the error of my ways. The former races covered up their swastika tattoos, burned their MAGA hats, bought Che Guevara shirts on Amazon, since that giant corporation also supports the protest, and joined people of color in their towns in protesting police brutality. Down with capitalism, cried one former skinhead. If Hidden Valley Ranch is against inequality, well then so am I. Black lives matter. Black lives matter. I find that hilarious. Um, I, I, I hope you're not offended by that. If you are, you know, I, lighten up a little bit is what I want to say. Um, it's okay to, to laugh a little bit at all this, right? It really is. So having lightened the mood just a little bit, I hope, there are serious issues going on in our country right now, as you all know. And this is the Jesus Society podcast. It is not the current events podcast or the political activism podcast. So I am not going to talk about politics. I'm not going to really talk about George, George Floyd's death very much. I'm, gonna, I'm just not going to wade into all that fray. The last thing that anybody needs is just another voice telling you their perspective on, the, on all this. The world will not be changed because I make my statement any more than it will be changed by Hidden Valley Ranch making theirs, okay? But the piece of all this that I really want to talk about 
that I think will be helpful because it fits within the theme of what we're trying to do in this podcast is what does the kingdom of God have to say about this and things like this? And I think this is a really good time for us to talk about the biblical idea of justice. Now, I was going to talk about this at some point anyway. It was going to be one of our Bible words that we're going to examine. Um, but in view of all that's going on around George, George Floyd's death and the reaction to it, I decided this would be a good time to talk about justice. Um, I think it's always better to, 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 to lead with what does God say rather than just the opinion of man. So we're going to start with that. And, and we're going to kind of flesh out what justice means in the Bible. And then toward the end, I'm going to give you what I hope are some really specific suggestions that are really helpful about what you and I could do as, as followers of King Jesus to make things a little bit better in our world. So the prophet Micah, in Micah chapter 6, verse 8, asks the question, what does the Lord require of you? Good question. And he answers his own question. What does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God? That's a great sort of summary verse. You want to know what, what living for God looks like? That. Okay. And the highlight of that that I, that I want to be crystal clear on is that, is that God's people are for justice. Now, as we talk about justice, I, I need to start by telling you a little bit about some of my own frustrations here. I have some, some baggage when it comes to the topic of justice, and I think it's best to just get it all out up front so that at least we know at least you know where my flaws are, okay? First of all, I think it's always best to define words, okay? Uh, a great deal of confusion uh, arises when two people are using the same word but have different understanding of its meaning, okay? In my world, growing up, excuse me, cup of coffee. In my world growing up, when I heard the word justice, it was exclusively used to refer to punishing wrongdoing, uh, bringing wrongdoers to justice, okay? And that is the idea that I carried with me all my adult life until I got to graduate school. In graduate school, in seminary, I started hearing professors talk about justice, and it struck me that they were investing that word justice with a, with a meaning really different than the meaning I associated with it. Okay, um, and justice had entered the world of politics by the time I was in seminary, and so some of that conversation, you know, like that was rolling around in my head as I as I listened to professors talk. And the really frustrating thing about all this for me was that no one ever brought up the fact that this word has has a broad range of meaning. Right or that there's you you know nobody ever said like this would be a good teacher a good teacher should say this now many of you may have uh, thought that this was the meaning of this word it has a broader meaning than that okay nobody ever said that so I just got increasingly frustrated 
as I heard professors talk about it, this word with a meaning different than what I thought it meant. Um, I say all that to say that I think the normal way many of us grew up thinking about justice is the way I grew up thinking about it, bringing bad people to justice. And that is not an invalid way to use that word. But as I have come to learn, that is only part of the biblical idea of justice. So that's a first piece of my baggage. So I want to I want to correct that and I want to say that is a valid way of uh, the, the way I grew up thinking of it is is valid. But there's more to it than that. I keep banging this cord. Let me let me straighten this out. Hold on. All right, maybe I won't bang. I talk with my hands. I don't know if I've mentioned that before, but I, I'm sitting here in a room all by myself and I'm and I'm talking and there's nobody in here <laughs> and I'm talking I'm waving my hands around. Um I've been told that I'm Italian that way, that I, that I must be Italian since I talk with my hands. Um, but it is, it's who I am. So anyway, let me, let me see if I can get back to where I was here. Um, the second piece of my baggage uh, about this idea of justice, you, you need to know that I absolutely cannot stand injustice. I am, I am unusually sensitive to injustice uh, in all its forms. Um, I, 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 part of this comes, I think, I, I grew up, I, I told you this a week or two ago, um, my father was an alcoholic. And um, my mother and my father didn't always have the best relationship. And some of it came around that. And and I don't want to say my, my father was abusive because he because he never really hit my mother, um, but it was a it was a very contentious relationship at times, and to me, it seemed very unjust, um, and, and I got really sensitive to that. Um, so I, I'm just I'm unusually sensitive to that. Anytime someone who is powerless. Um, is abused or, or oppressed or manipulated by someone with more power, a, a fairly hot rage wells up within me. Uh, I get this from my mom. She was unusually sensitive to that too. Um, that said, I am perpetually frustrated with much of the discussion in our culture about this idea of justice. In particular, I, I'm frustrated with the way that justice has become so overtly political and so often filled with hatred and sometimes even violence, doing violence under the guise of justice, okay? I do not believe that God, um, well, let me say this first. I'm really uneasy with the implication that it is, it is okay to violate or abuse one group of people to right the wrongs done to another group of people. I do not believe God condones abuse, or theft, or coercion, or manipulation in order to somehow level a playing field or right a wrong. To do so, I believe, is just another form of injustice. And it reminds me of Leviticus chapter 19, verse 15. Um, do not pervert justice. Do not show partiality to the poor or favoritism to the great, but judge your neighbor fairly. 
Okay, so it is a perversion of justice to to show partiality to 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 anybody. Okay, in all this. <sighs> okay, with that off my chest, I, I've got some baggage here, and I and I and I'm frustrated with the way a lot of this is dealt with in our culture. But we're going to move beyond that and talk about how God would have us deal with this. Okay. Um, justice and righteousness are related terms in the Bible. Okay. We need to understand that they are not two separate terms with two completely separate meanings. Um, they are very much related. Um, Justice in the in the um, is often expressed in the Old Testament by the words zedek and mishpat. Uh, in the New Testament, we have the words the Greek words uh, krisis um, or diakasune. Okay, those words justice and righteousness are are so tightly connected in Scripture. It is it is really just about impossible to talk about justice. With also without also talking about righteousness, or to talk about righteousness without also talking about justice, they are just that closely linked. Okay, so to to try to make some of this a little simpler, I'm going to give you a a, a single word that that I think kind of carries the meaning of both of those words. Okay, and this is probably an oversimplification, but in this case, that doesn't bother me. So think of the terms righteousness and justice wrapped up together by the word rightness, okay? Rightness, uh, how things ought to be, okay? Is, is you know, what's, what's right is what, how things ought to be. So, so when we look around in our world, how should things be, okay? And God gets to define that. We don't always get to define that, right? How things ought to be needs to be seen through God's eyes, not just through our own, which are sometimes tainted by uh, selfishness and, and other things, okay? So rightness, okay? Rightness. There is, a, there is a moral and an ethical component to it, but it is more than that. It is also covenantal and missional, okay? Um, God's desire is to make the world right through the rightness of his son whose work on the cross redeems us from our sins and makes us right with God. And in making us right with God through the power of his spirit, he turns us into agents of rightness in this world. Okay, So we've talked about how in the kingdom of God, we're to be agents of blessing in the world. One of the ways in which we bless the world is to help the world function as it ought to function, okay? The right way to, to live, the right way to relate to other people, the right way to care for the less fortunate, the right way to love, okay? We are, we are agents of rightness in this world, okay? That is, that is what God has sort of turned us loose to be in this world, okay? Um, the, the terms righteousness and justice describe who God is, um, how God works, what God has done in the Messiah, and the transforming work of God through the Spirit to make us 
agents of rightness in this world. God loves every human being. And according to Psalm 89, 14, righteousness and justice are the foundation for your throne. Okay? That is why God gets so upset when his people think that they can worship him while simultaneously mistreating others. So failing to practice justice and mercy toward others always creates a barrier between the worshiper and the God he or she would worship. And there's a number of Old Testament passages that bear this out. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring up two of them. Okay, I want us to look briefly at two of them. Um, the first is in Isaiah. Uh, they're both in Isaiah. But in Isaiah chapter 1, verses 10 through 21, God says this. And, and remember, as you, as you hear this, I'm going to read this. Remember um, that God is talking to Israel here when he says this. And I, and I say that because the first word, the first verse makes it sound like he's talking to someone else. He's talking to Israel. Um, he, he's going to say, He's going to talk like he's talking to Sodom and Gomorrah, the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. He is using the term Sodom and Gomorrah to refer to his own people. He's saying, you're acting, well, you'll hear it, okay? Isaiah 1, 10 through 21. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Listen, listen to the instruction of our God, you people of Gomorrah. What are all your sacrifices to me? Asks the Lord. I have had enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of well-fed cattle. I have no desire for blood of bulls, lambs, or male goats. When you come to appear before me, who requires this of you, this trampling of my courts? Stop bringing useless offerings. Your incense is detestable to me. New moons and Sabbaths and the, the calling of solemn assemblies, I cannot stand iniquity with a festival. I hate your new moons and prescribed festivals. They become a burden to me and I'm tired of putting up with them. And when you spread out your hands in prayer, I will refuse to look at you. Even if you offer countless prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are covered with blood. So wash yourselves, cleanse yourselves, remove your evil deeds from my sight, stop doing evil, learn to do what is good, pursue justice, correct the oppressor, defend the rights of the fatherless, plead the widow's cause, come, let us settle this, says the Lord. Though your sins are scarlet, they will be as white as snow. Though they are crimson red, they will be like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good things of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword. The mouth of the Lord has spoken. So Israel is, is going about business as usual. They're continuing their, their regular uh, rituals of temple sacrifice and 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 all that's involved in that, but God calls that a trampling of my courts. He calls their offerings useless. He calls the their incense detestable, and in disgust he says, "I cannot stand your assemblies." 
And the Lord even says that he will hide his eyes when they come to him in prayer. Why? Because their hands are covered with blood. They are not treating people well. The remedy, not surprisingly, is to redeem their concern for the most vulnerable members of Israelite society. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Encourage the oppressed. Defend the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. Later on, and this is the other passage we're going to look at, Isaiah 58, 1 through 10, we see something very similar. God says, They seek me day after day and delight to know my ways. Like a nation that does what is right and does not abandon the justice of their God, they ask me for righteous judgments. They delight in the nearness of God. In other words, these people are going through the proverbial motions. But God is less than impressed, and they don't understand that at all. Why have we fasted, they say, but you have not seen? We have denied ourselves, but you haven't noticed. This is what the people say to God. Like, we're doing all this good stuff that you tell us to do. Why are you not paying attention? And God's answer is crystal clear. This is Isaiah 58, uh, verses 3 and 4. He says, look, you do as you please on the day of your fast. You, you oppress all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists you cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. God even defines fasting in terms of justice. He says, is not this the kind of fasting that I've chosen? To loose the chains of injustice and untie the ropes of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and to tear off every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry? to bring the poor and homeless into your home, to clothe the naked when you see him, and not to ignore your own flesh and blood? So only if Israel changes her ways concerning the poor and the oppressed and the, and the vulnerable can they expect to meet the Lord again. Uh, he says in verses 9 and 10, at that time when you call, at that time, once you've straightened all this out, when you call, the Lord will answer. When you cry out, he will say, here I am. If you get rid of the yoke among you, the finger pointing and malicious speaking, and if you offer yourselves to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted one, then your light will shine in the darkness and your night will be like noonday. And that's just two examples of this. So this, this kind of thing is all through the, the Old Testament, this kind of language. And we see it in the New Testament too. And I'm not going to read it, but look at James chapter 2, verses 1 through 9 sometime. You'll see the same kind of thing. That is why the Bible says again and again and again that God takes up the cause of the destitute and the oppressed. Because here's the thing. Here's the thing, folks. In the kingdom of God, nobody gets overlooked or marginalized, or trampled on, or thrown under the bus. Nobody. And God is as serious as he could be. Everything comes to a halt until that stuff gets right. Okay? So, so I want to talk for a minute about 
how, how does, how injustice works. Okay. Um, who, who are the people most vulnerable to injustice? Well, it has always been the powerless. So let me bring this a little closer to home. Anybody you have power over is potentially susceptible to injustice by you. So if you are an employer, you're, we're talking about your employees. You have the potential because you have all the power to treat your employees in a very unjust way. And, and no one will stop you to a point. If you're a teacher, we're talking about your students. You have the potential because you have all the power to treat your students in an unjust way. If you're a parent, we're talking about your children. You have all the power. You, you, can, you can treat your children in a very unjust way. That's why there's, there's child abuse and, and, and exploitation of children, right? Parents have a lot of power. If you're a church leader, listen up. You have the power to inflict injustice on your congregation, and it happens far more than it ever should. And as we've seen, if you're any kind of law enforcement officer, you have power over everyone. So your capacity to inflict injustice is extremely high. And sometimes the consequences are few. In society, who are those who have little power of their own? Well, the poor, uh, the handicapped, um, racial and ethnic minorities. Um, anytime there's, there's somebody... Uh, or a group of somebodies who are uh, outside of um, outside of mainstream, they're a minority. Um, they oftentimes have little power of their own. The bottom line is that those who have power, and and I'm not I'm not really talking about non Christians here because I don't you know I don't I only know one way to change people, and that is to bring them under the the lordship of Jesus Christ so he can transform them into his liking. He, he will make sure people are treated fairly. His, his, you know, adopting his heart, okay? Um, but those who have power must wield that power with a very gentle hand. Um, there's a, I just, just now remembered this. I wanted to include this and I forgot to put it in my notes there's a, there's a verse in, it's in Isaiah, and I can't tell you where it is right now. But it's talking about the Messiah, Jesus. And it, and it will say of him, a dimly burning wick he will not extinguish. A broken reed he will not break. Okay? In other words, when he comes... He comes with all the authority of heaven. You know, we, we sing this song sometime in church. You know, he could have called 10,000 angels, right? He had the power. But a dimly burning wick, which is so easy to snuff out, he will not snuff that out. A, a bruised reed, a, you know, a stalk of grass that's, that's bent and just about ready to break, so easy to crush. He won't do it, okay? He wields his power with a very, very gentle hand, okay? Um, so those who, those who have power must 
wield that power with a very gentle hand. Okay. Um, where does where does injustice come from? And what what I'm asking here is, um, where in the heart of man does this come from? Okay. Well, it comes from the, the what I'm going to call the three horsemen of the injustice apocalypse: fear, selfishness, and hatred. Um, we are we are often tempted to mistreat those who we fear, or or because we we fear um, what will happen if we don't. Um, but but either way, fear is driving the train. Okay, so fear, if there's something you're afraid of, it can make you act in unjust ways. Okay, so we have to, we have to check that within our hearts. Um, selfishness, um, and there's a million ways this can play out, but, but, but here's, here's one. As a business owner, let's say, and this, this is not just played out in business. This works all over human relationship, but in business, Maybe you adopt some business practices or policies in your business that, that increase profit, but at the expense of, of other people, right? That, 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 that brings some injustice into your, um, to your employers or to your employees, I mean. So fear, selfishness. What about hatred? Ask yourself this. Who is it okay to hate in our culture? I mean, other than the New England Patriots. Sorry, sorry, couldn't rest just throwing that in there. I'm not a Patriots fan. It's okay if you are. I love you. I love you, okay? Just a joke. Ha ha. Really, though, really, though, look around. In our culture, who is it okay to hate? Where have we, where have we as a society baptized hatred um, here's a, here's an exercise for you, and I and I wish you would do this. I, I really, I think, if you want to, <laughs> for the next seven days, after you hear this, take note of the messages you hear in the culture around you, and take note uh, anytime you you hear something from the culture around you that justifies hatred. Okay? Pay attention to that. I think if I think if you start paying attention, I think you're going to hear I think you're going to hear it everywhere. Okay? Um and let's not forget injustice can be swayed by public opinion. Uh remember when Jesus was on trial before his crucifixion? Remember what the crowds were shouting? Uh, at Pilate in Luke chapter 23, they were screaming, crucify him. Pilate was ready to let Jesus go. Remember? Um, he kept saying, I find no, not, nothing in, uh, wrong with this guy. And the crowds just kept shouting all the more, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. And Pilate was swayed by public opinion to commit an injustice that he would otherwise not have committed. So who would, this is your question, who would 
Um, if, if an act of injustice were carried out against someone in our society, who would, um, who would that be that would, that would gain kind of the support of public opinion? I think if you start thinking about that and looking around, you, you'll find out that there's a lot of injustice that happens all across the board with the support of public opinion. So be, be really, really careful about listening to the world and the, and the crowds and the news media and Facebook when they tell you that you ought to hate somebody or a group or class of somebody's. That is how injustice starts. So with regard to George Floyd and the allegation that of allegations of racism that are a, a part of that i want to just say clearly and, and unambiguously as if i needed to say this after all that i've just said racism is not of god no matter what the color of our skin we are all descended from one man and one woman which means we're we all have the same blood flowing through our veins God created every single one of us as men and women who bear his image. So this person, whoever he is, or this class of people, whoever they are, that you find yourself unable to stand, remember they're, in, in, in a very real sense, they're your brother or your sister. And they bear the image of God, and God loves them desperately in the same way that he loves you desperately. So there is there is absolutely no place in the kingdom of God for racism or for any other kind of injustice. Okay? Any other kind of prejudice. There just isn't. That is one of the big things that God wants to change about the world. There's a lot of a lot of talk these days about justice and just like peace and love if if justice is going to reign, I think it's going to have to start with the people of God. Of all the people in the world, God's people should get this better than anyone. Um, one, one of the clearest and most meaningful ways that we express our love and respect of others is through acts of service and generosity toward the most vulnerable members of society in our own neighborhoods so that how things ought to be, rightness, right? How things ought to be becomes how things are, okay? I think, I think it's probably naive to believe that just we, we can just end the suffering or even racism. You know, as long as there are people on this earth who are not living in submission to Jesus Christ, all the, all the junk that is part of a sinful human existence is gonna is gonna reign in their lives, okay? And I don't think I don't think you can you can legislate against acts of injustice, but you can't legislate against the feelings of it, okay? So I have I, I think it's a little naive to think that we can just end this right by some sort of magical act of 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 government, okay? We have we live in a secular society. We are not a Christian society. We never have been. If you want, if you want to know the truth, um, and I have 
I have real concerns about the legitimacy of, of many of our governmental policies aimed at reducing suffering or reducing racism. So personally, personally, I just don't see a whole lot of hope in political activism or relying on the government to kind of take care of the problem. Um, in fact, our government can be one of the biggest perpetrators of injustice, okay? So I think we need to re be really, really careful in allying ourselves too closely with government. Now, some of you are going to get upset with that because some of you just really have bought into this idea of social activism and 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 I it is it is good for Christians to be involved in society, okay? But I think we I, this is my opinion. I think we need to be honest about the limitations of that, okay? Um, we're not going to win always, right? Um, so I don't want to say anything more about that because I don't want to get bogged down in all that. I see the most promise. For, for hope and change and for things that we as, as Christians can do to really impact this world. I see the most promise in localized personal efforts aimed at alleviating suffering and bigotry and racism within your own situation. Um, I'm, I'm kind of reminded, uh, you're gonna, I'm going to say this and you're going to say, what does that have to do with this? I'm, I'm reminded of John Wesley. Um, when John Wesley was a young man and was at Oxford uh, he was part of a of a, a, a little small group. Um, they, they called it the Holy Club, okay. And its members committed themselves to. They, they were just fanatic about it, saving every penny they could to give to the poor who they who they visited regularly. In fact, they were so committed to frugality on behalf of the poor. That in 1731, when the Wesleys decided to visit Epworth, um, which is a good ways away, they made that journey on foot to save money. They did not want to have to spend a dime on, on any kind of transportation to get there, so they walked. Okay? They were that committed to helping poor people. Okay? I, I think it is precisely that kind of commitment to the world that I see as having the most potential for real change in the way that God's people work for justice in our contexts. Such a commitment would be living out a theology of the cross, uh, dying so that others might live. But that would require a level of personal sacrifice that few people I know in America seem willing to make. And most disturbing for me is the question of whether I myself would be willing to make sacrifices like that. Okay, so I, I'm, I'm trying to call myself to something higher, okay? So what can we as the people of God actually do to improve things in our world? Well, first of all, I, I'm a big believer in focusing on what you can control, okay? Um, and, and not wasting effort and energy and attention on things you can't control, Something that has been really helpful to me in the last dozen years or so is to think about my world as kind of a series of concentric circles, okay? And, and a lot of this is kind of geographical, okay? So the largest circle is what, and, and I didn't make this up, okay? I stole this from somebody else. 
But the largest circle is your the circle of awareness. Okay, it's things that I that I I think maybe I should stay aware of because they they have at least some potential to affect my life. Okay, so maybe maybe it's the things that are going on in my state, for instance. Okay, those things may have some potential to to affect my life. The next circle inward is um, the circle of concern. Okay, it's a little tighter because it contains things that, because they're closer to me, have a much greater likelihood of affecting my life. And then the most inward circle is the circle of control. These are things that I have direct control over. This is the circle that I am spending the majority of my attention and energy and efforts on because this is the only stuff that I can control. And I think if, we're, if we think about our lives that way, I know this is true for me, there is very, very precious little that I have direct control over in, in this world. Okay? Very little. I think for a lot of us, Right now, we are giving a ridiculous amount of attention to things far outside of our circle of control. And what I want to say is dial that back in. I, I just simply cannot change anything going on in, in Minneapolis or, or New York or even Ash, Nashville. And Nashville's just an hour up the road. So focusing all of my attention, let alone my energy and efforts on things going on that far out of my sphere of control is just a bit foolhardy. I might want to stay aware of some of those things, maybe, but make sure those things are not taking up a disproportionate level of your attention or your energy or your efforts. Stop, stop watching every riot scene in America. You can't do anything to make any of that better. And neither can I. And, and let's, be, let's be honest here. What really can I do about any of this except to yell louder? And do we really need that? Do we really need another person yelling loud about all this? We don't need another voice screaming at the top of their lungs about all this. And at the risk of offending anyone, everyone, I'm, I'm going to say this. Gosh, I, I don't mean to offend anyone here. I really don't. But... but Putting black squares on your Facebook page does absolutely nothing to change anything. Now, do it if you want to. But all of your Facebook friends already know that you're not a racist, okay? So what I would suggest, instead of some of all that stuff where you're trying to make a statement to the world, in your own little corner of the world, as far as it depends on you, you live at peace with everyone as Paul says in Romans 12, 18. What you can do is love your neighbor. Love the people in your bubble, okay? Um, in 1 Thessalonians 4, 11 and 12, Paul says to seek to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, and to work with your own hands so that you may behave properly in the presence of outsiders and not be dependent on anyone I think that is really, really good advice. Limit your time on Facebook and, and news outlets. That stuff just, just gins up anger and despair and hopelessness, and those things are not of God. Focus on the things in your circle of control. Read a good book. 
I recommend the book of Philippians. <laughs> my son was just just a few minutes ago. I was talking to my son, and he was he just finished reading the book of Philippians, and he said, and he's right. He said, "Oh my word, is there a lot of stuff in there that that pertains to this?" And and he started quoting passages of it, and he reminded me, "That's right. My gosh, does Philippians have something to say about what we should be doing in in the midst of all this?" So, read Philippians if you can, this week. Um, good, good stuff in there in that book that speak to the mess in our world. Um, do things you can. Tend your garden. All right, now some of you are going to say, what's tending my garden do to, 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 to stop racism in the world? Nothing. But it is something you can control. Okay? Paint your living room. Cook a, cook a good meal for your family. Play with your kids. Love your spouse. Love your parents. And love your neighbors. In fact, invite some of your neighbors over for a meal. Heaven, heaven knows we don't seem to be concerned at all about social distancing anymore in all this. And, and, and let me ratchet this up just a bit. If you're white and you've got some African Americans in your circle of friends or in your neighborhood or in your church, invite them over for a meal and love them. Just love them. Build that friendship, Okay. And listen to their hearts about all this. If you're if you're black, do the same. Make a friend with a white person, or or his or Hispanic or or whoever or an or an Asian person or or somebody from the Middle East or, you know, find some people that aren't like you and 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 in your bubble. And make friends with them. Love them. Okay. Find people to love in your neighborhood. Be salt and light. Be the agents of love and peace in the midst of this. Um, there is an old, 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 old hymn called Brighten the Corner Where You Are. And it is a lovely set of lyrics. Okay, very, very good. Um, I just looked a few minutes ago and I found a kind of a simple little video where a group of people are singing it. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's old school. It, it sounds like an old kind of churchy hymn thing. But it shows the lyrics as it's being sung, okay? And I'm going to put it in the show notes. Listen to that. Watch that little video and listen to that. Listen to the words of that song. That is such, such good advice, okay? Brighten the corner where you are. Don't worry about what's going on somewhere else and what you can do to change all that because you can't do anything to change that. Brighten the corner where you are, okay? So that's, that's number one. Focus on what you can control and brighten the corner where you are. Secondly, in 2 Corinthians 5.18, Paul says Christians are ministers of reconciliation. Now, I know what Paul was talking about specifically there, and we're going to use that in a little different context. But how do we do that in this situation? And I know, I know I'm just looking at the time. We're going along on this one. Sorry. How do we do that? How do we be ministers of reconciliation in this situation? We have to work toward breaking down barriers and being agents of peace. And one way to do that Folks, quit lumping everybody into categories and judging the individual based on the category they are, they're in. 
you know how this works, right? If you're white, you're racist. If you're black, you're a thug. If you're a police officer, you're evil. If you're Democrat, you're the devil. If you're Republican, you're the devil. For heaven's sake, stop it. Take people one at a time as you find them and love them, okay? As far as it depends on you, be at peace with everyone. And then finally, about all of the things that you can't control, which is most of it, pray to the one who can. Pray without ceasing. Cast all of your cares upon God because he cares about you. 1 Peter 5, 7. Christianity has always been the great equalizer. There simply is no prejudice in the kingdom of God because it is the kingdom of God and God is not prejudiced. He created every single one of us in his image and he adores us all. As Christians, we are against anyone who does violence to others, who abuses or hurts others. The kingdom of God is founded on justice and righteousness and love and carries an invitation to all to come and enjoy it. So I want to close today with the prayer of St. Francis. And you have probably heard this, but you may not have heard it recently. And it, it, is, it is a powerful call to something different in the midst of all the insanity in our country right now. So here, here's the prayer. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. O Divine Master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned. And it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen. And with that, I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope you will join us again next week and the week after that and the week after that. We'd appreciate it if you'd tell others about the podcast. Um, if you enjoy the show, please subscribe, uh, rate and review us on all the other places that I normally talk about. Please visit us on our Facebook group. Um, uh, I'll put a link to that and you can find it easy. Um, feel free to subject, suggest topics for episodes, ask any questions you might have, be a part of the conversation about some of this stuff. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll be back. And remember, you are greatly loved. <laughs>